Hello and welcome to the Soft UK podcast. I'm Sonia and I'm the Events and Communications Officer for the charity Soft UK, which is a support organisation for families with trisomy 13, 18 or Patels and Edwards. Ahead of Baby Loss Week in October, this podcast today will be speaking to one of our parents, Kate Sonley, who has kindly and bravely agreed to speak about her daughter Amber. So welcome, um, Kate, onto our podcast. It's lovely to have you. Hi, it's really nice to be here as well. Always emotional. Sorry. Um, but yeah, any excuse to talk about Amber, as always. Exactly, exactly. Any excuse, a lovely excuse. So let's start off with your story with Amber. Um, from however, wherever you want to start with. Uh, okay, I'll run through briefly. Um, I had had two miscarriages. I've got an older daughter who's now twenty-seven. Um, tried again with my previous partner. We had two miscarriages and then got pregnant with Amber. Um, everything was looking wonderful. I refused any testing because as far as I was concerned, you know, she looked great on the scans. I'd never heard of Edwards or Pato's. Down syndrome never bothered me. Um, we got to our 20-week scan and it was suspected she might have a small hole in her heart, but everything else looked wonderful. So we got sent to Glasgow and that is where they picked up further markers and suspected either Edwards or Pato's. Um, so I had an amniocentesis at Glasgow at 20 weeks. And three days later, we found out that she had trisomy 18. Um, mm -hmm. So obviously this is, this is about baby loss and anybody who's been in this situation knows how traumatic it is. It, it took me five weeks to be certain that I was going to continue with the pregnancy. Um, mm. I think deep down it was never really a question for me, but I I, I had to give her that chance at light. I wanted to I wanted to meet my daughter. Um, yeah. And and it and it was strange because you you spend your pregnancy preparing for loss. Um, mm. You know, you get you get told the chances of getting to birth are, are very slim. You you prepare yourself for losing your baby whilst you're pregnant. Um, I found myself setting dates. So I was determined to get to 24 weeks because then she would get her birth certificate. Um, mm. And then I wanted to stay pregnant as long as I could because I got to see her on scans and listen to her heartbeat. And I don't think it was till I got to about 30 weeks pregnant, I really started to believe that she could live, that we, you know, she could mm -hmm. make it. So, yeah. So that's kind of our story in full. I had a really good, I was very lucky. I had a very, very good medical team around us. Um, I was reading horrendous stories of families that were being encouraged to get a termination for medical reasons when they didn't really want one. Um, not mm. that I would blame anybody for, for making that choice. It's, it's incredibly difficult. And I changed my mind pretty much every hour on whether I was going to continue or not. Um, but when I decided to continue with the pregnancy, you know, the support of the hospital was really, really important. It, it, it was important. I had a medical team who respected that. And when I decided that I wanted full interventions, if Amber survived birth, it was really important to me that her pediatric team supported that as well. And they did. Yeah. I was, I was very lucky. Mm. It's so important to have that support professionally as well, because, we we have a lot of families that come through that that don't necessarily have it and it's it's still unfortunately so common that people do get pushed into termination as not necessarily even a choice just this is the next step if this is you know the, the, 
the diagnosis they get, which obviously we know it's just not true and it shouldn't be it shouldn't be that way. I guess um, it, it must be very different when you get given the news during pregnancy as opposed to, um, you know, after birth um, at any stage, because you are effectively grieving a baby that you haven't even had yet. Um, or yeah. even still, for, for me, it was like a point where I had to grieve the baby I thought I was having. Um, and you might have felt like that during your pregnancy, because obviously you thought you were having a healthy yeah I mean I mean pregnancy absolutely and my, my second miscarriage in particular was extremely traumatic so so when Amber's pregnancy and the thing was even after Amber's diagnosis people were saying oh gosh you look amazing you're glowing you look so I mean I looked healthy my pregnancy was actually wonderful um mm. medically speaking apart from Amber's health I I felt great I felt glowing um I had quite a lot of pelvic floor pain and 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 stuff, but yeah, my pregnancy itself was was pretty straightforward. Um, so so getting her diagnosis, especially when we'd initially been assured that everything on the twenty week scan looked fabulous, apart from potentially a small hole in her heart. So then for mm -hmm. three days later to go to Glasgow and then be told, well, no, actually, there's all these other markers, um, mm. and to be told not compatible with life. You know, I was told that um at yeah. Glasgow initially um and it was contacting Soft UK that that made me realize that that's not necessarily true and you know there's children doing incredibly well and how did you get to contact Soft UK did you find them on your own or did you get uh, recommended by the, the hospital hospi the hospital scribbled down the name of the charity for me it, it wasn't even a leaflet it, they just said oh you could you can have a look at this charity they might be able to help um mm. but your baby's not compatible with life that's that's what I was told um yeah. so that was that was really hard and then researching I remember getting home that first night and and looking online and I had to turn the computer off after 10 minutes because it's terrifying mm. um the next day I sat and I did a lot of research and by the time I got the results through on the Friday, we'd had the scan on the Tuesday. I, I was pretty convinced it was Edward's syndrome. And from what they told me they'd seen on the scan, I thought, right, that this is what it's going to be. Um, mm -hmm. And I spent a lot of time looking at parents on YouTube that had lost babies. Um, you immediately go really, really black. So one of the mothers that I watched, she'd lost her child to trisomy 18. And she said while she was pregnant, the first thing she did was plan the funeral. And that's what I did with Amber as well. I, mm -hmm. I planned her funeral while I was pregnant. It ended up being very different when we actually did have her funeral because I'd assumed I would lose her during pregnancy. Um, mm -hmm. But I figured if I did that first, then that was out the way. Um, yeah. And then I could concentrate on the pregnancy. Yeah, it's a hard thing to have to focus on when, you know, you have to do it at the end as well because yeah. you wouldn't be thinking straight your emotions are all over the place I guess when you thought it would be best to do it when you're you're sort of clear ahead yeah do that um, did you have a lot of support around you at home um it was difficult because it was still it was still sort of the tail end of COVID um mm. because of my age I was 42 43 um during my pregnancy with Amber um, I was already considered a high-risk pregnancy, partly because of my age, partly because of prior miscarriages. 
Um, I was on progesterone until I was 18 weeks pregnant um, to support pregnancy. Um, so I had really good support from the hospital. I had really good support from my daughter and close friends, but I'd also been told to pretty much keep isolated um, mm. because of COVID. Um, so I spent a lot of my pregnancy on my own. So friends would maybe come to my gate and see me, but nobody would come in the house. So really, it was mainly Corey Amber's father that I don't really want to go into too much. But mm. we did split up when I was 16 weeks pregnant, so a few weeks before her diagnosis. And he, we had very different opinions on how COVID needed to be dealt with. Um, mm -hmm. So there wasn't the support that I needed from him either, which which mm -hmm. complicated things. Yeah, yeah, it must have been. I mean, it's just an added strain when you've had to have a baby during COVID. And then, of course, when you know there was something more to her condition as well. I mean, yeah. how did you cope with that? Because you were fortunate enough to bring Amber home. Um, how long after you had given birth to her that you brought her home? So I was induced at 37 weeks. Um ended up having to have a c-section because like a lot of trisomy babies full labor sometimes can distress them and it did with her so we had a c-section she was in scabu um for five weeks doing really really well we got moved to the children's ward and i got placed in a room with her to learn her care um with the aim to bring her home a week later Unfortunately, during that time, she got taken incredibly ill, and that was when she was flown critically to Glasgow. Um, so we spent mm -hmm. another four weeks in Glasgow. Um, she had a malrotation of a bowel, which was one condition that we'd never looked into. And it also turned out that she had had her bowel punctured when they were trying to fit a jejunal tube before they realised that she had this bowel malrotation, um, which is why she got so sick and we'd gone to Glasgow. So. That surgery went really, really well. Um, she had a lot of assessments into her airways at my request, um, and she was set really to get a, a tracheostomy fit um, for minor um, apnea. But unfortunately, she went into severe heart failure um, and she was still too small for the surgery that she really desperately needed. Um, mm. And the surgery that they offered just wasn't it wasn't really a good option for her. They 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 didn't think she would make it through surgery and they thought that even if she did, she would possibly get stuck on the ventilator. So at that point, we made the decision to bring her home um, yeah. on palliative palliative care. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do, you, do, you, do you regret any of your decisions during your time with her or you think you did what you needed to do at the time? No, my... I think... I think I did what I, I needed to do at the time. Um, every every decision that we made, every every treatment or test or, you know, she had three blood transfusions during her time. She had countless echoes. Um, mm. Everything was done with the view that it would have a good result for her and it would it would help her long term. Um, yeah, but then. It, it got to the point where the bad was outweighing the, the good. She'd, she'd been in hospital yeah. for 10 weeks. I'd been at the hospital for 10 weeks. I'd been home for one night in 10 weeks. Um, yeah. And I always wanted to bring her home. I didn't want her to get trapped on a hospital ward. 
Um, yeah. I wanted to be able to be home with my little girl and her family around us. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so, it's good that you made that decision for her to, you know, be able to be to see her home. Yeah. I mean, there's, well. there's always a, a what if in the back of my mind. What if I had gone for the alternative surgery? Um, yeah. But all the consultants and I mean, we had we had huge meetings at Glasgow, huge meetings um, with, mm. you know, my sister would be on Zoom from her hospital in Norwich and we had all her paediatric team from Inverness on Zoom and all of them were agreed that it wasn't really in her interest to have this surgery to put her through more when she'd already mm. been through so much, at, you know, in 10 weeks. Um, yeah, exactly. You have to remember their age, I guess, yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah. we, I mean, we we were offered a hospice place, um, but birth hospice centres are about two and a half hour drive from where I live, so I I couldn't have had friends and family around so easily. I wanted to be with my dog as well. Um, mm. so the hospice in Scotland was just outstanding. I mean, outstanding. Mm -hmm. We had twenty four seven care. Um, at home mm -hmm. in house care um, and I live really remotely so it mm -hmm. was a huge achievement for, for them to have That's nurses really we, had, good. we had nurses from all over Scotland coming in it gives you a relief as well doesn't it you've been you, you forget that you're just on the go 24 7 yeah having a bit of relief with that kind of support that you know that she's in good hands so you can just sort of have a bit of a rest even if you're still in the room yeah it does help a lot doesn't it yeah. You forget to take care of yourself in the process. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I just didn't. My my needs just were not even yeah. a consideration for me. And I, I, I don't think they are for any parent. I think that when you are, when you have a child that is so medically complex, your mm. needs fade into the background. They they absolutely mm. do. It's you just, you do what you have to do. And you, you push yourself beyond all normal limits. Um, yeah and you, you your needs sort of become their needs yeah. because you don't have any other needs because you know you're not going to prioritize prioritize anything else but them yeah so, you try you try and sleep and you try and eat because you've got to keep going for them but it it's just functional it's not self-care yeah. it's definitely no, it's not, not. self-care um no yeah definitely not when um we were, we were talking about this earlier because you mentioned amber's birthday's coming up this week and that is a it's a big trigger for me when I have my son's birthday yeah I feel like it's really important for me to do something to mark it and try and keep it as happy as possible for me in my mind because I'm on every other day um effectively so that one day I want to try and like keep it sort of celebratory and you know things like that is there anything that you do to to mark it for Amber or um yeah, Can so do we're doing the same as we did last year. So um, we've, my daughter and I have had a collection um, for gift baskets for the, the Skaboo Baby Ward at Inverness. Um, and we we did five baskets last year. We've only done two this year with the cost of living crisis. We figured people would be hard pushed. But each basket is probably worth somewhere between 150, 200 pounds. And wow. I have put, in it things for the baby things for memory making um things for the mums as well because it's long mm. days when you're sat in hospital um mm. so we're delivering those on on thursday afternoon we're, we've already 
prearranged to go to the the unit and they mm -hmm. are for parents that are likely to be in hospital for long periods of time with their their children um mm -hmm. and so we'll do that and I'm, I'm spending the next couple of days i'm going to be making her a cake and we'll we'll have a little party for her when we get back from the hospital um we've got balloons and decorations and yeah. and all sorts and people buy her presents for her garden and so yeah we'll mm. we'll have a, a few drinks and light a candle for her and she'll have a cake which i shall make yeah yeah, yeah. that would so, be lovely i'll make my son's cake as well because yeah i always would have anyway so it means so much more when it comes for you from you doesn't it do you do you visit the skaboo that she was in um a lot or do you have you been back I've been Often. back twice. Um, I do have an open invite to pop in whenever I want to mm -hmm. say hello. Yeah, so I have an open invite to to pop in whenever I want. Um, but I've only been back twice. Uh, the first mm. time was after a meeting with her paediatrician. Um, and we went back to the ward and I got to, there, there weren't any babies in the intensive care bit, so they let me sit in um, mm -hmm. where she'd been that was hard that was mm. that was really really hard um i've been diagnosed with complex post-traumatic stress disorder so there's a lot of triggers for me in that room um yeah but then we went back again on her birthday last year and expected that to be as hard but actually it, it made my, my daughter and i feel closer to amber that day going back and really yeah that. yeah so we were both mm. glad it ended up being a really nice visit that day and we were really glad we did it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good that you felt different after another trip and, you know, yeah. I guess it will get, it makes it a bit easier as you go on. I think mm. sometimes it's it's the, the thought of it all coming back, like all the emotions, the smells and the noises and yeah. stuff. Um, I, think I personally me... haven't been back because I'm... I, I was just saying I, I just have I haven't been back to the children's ward my son was in I, I did once and then that was it was really hard and mm -hmm. I just couldn't do it again and um I do want to go back because like you I do have an open invite um but it's just pushing my back myself back in there I don't know if I'm even eight years on I don't think I don't know if I'm ready yeah. to do it again it's really weird isn't it you think that time will really make a difference but it's strange I mean Glasgow obviously is a lot further away from me um mm. Glasgow no I don't think I could go back to um no because that's where everything went really badly wrong it, it was where things went right for a while and then went horribly wrong um mm -hmm. so that would be a tricky one for me and the children's ward as well um you know the mm. first time I went back to Skaboo they said did you want to go to the children's ward as well and I was like no no I can't because mm. that's where she got taken really ill Whereas Skaboo, yeah. when we were there, there were some really traumatic times, but it's also probably where we had our happiest times in those first yeah. five weeks. Um, that makes sense. So, so Skaboo, I can go back to, but the other two wards she was on, no, I don't, I don't think I could. Not, yeah. not now, anyway. Yeah. What advice would you give any parents that are listening that are dealing with baby loss, whether it, it be, you know, a year on or very fresh or or anything from what you're still managing to do at the moment so I mean I'm obviously I'm obviously still dealing with with the PTSD and I suspect that a lot of mm. parents will be whether they've been diagnosed mm. or not and I, I was lucky I was diagnosed very quickly I have been 
seeing a psychologist regularly um, and having EMDR therapy. So I think for, for any parents that feel that they might have PTSD, EMDR is a fabulous therapy um, for trauma. Mm. Um, it's not cured me, it's not fixed me, but it's definitely, it's, it's, it's made things a little bit softer. It's taught me methods of coping. I do a lot of mm. yoga. Um, mm -hmm. I spend a lot of time with my dogs um, and I try and do sort of creative things. I, I do distract myself a lot, so I'll get into projects. Um, yeah. I find that I struggle being in crowds, so that's mm -hmm. normal. Um, there's a select pe few people that I can be around. Um, mm -hmm. But it's really hard, especially like two years on, because people kind of look at you and they go, oh, you're doing so well. You look great. You look you look really well. You you starting to get over things now. And it's like, no. Mm -hmm. no. So I think I would say to the parents, it's OK to not be OK. You or I feel that I am never going to get over this. I, I am never going to heal from losing Amber ever. Um, and part of me doesn't want to. Um, she was my daughter. How can you possibly get over it? Um, I just learned methods of coping with it. Um, yeah. I do a lot of breathing. I, I find it really difficult, the, the, the platitudes that people come out with um, when you've lost a child are, are really, really hard. Um, it's not like any other loss. It's, mm -hmm. it's in a league of its own. So I would Definitely. say to the parents, just be really, really gentle with yourself. And if you don't want to go somewhere, don't go. And if you need to mm. be away, that's okay. And if you, you're smiling, laughing is really hard. I still feel guilty. I still mm. feel guilty. Um, yeah. If I laugh or smile. Um, but I talk to Amber all the time. She's she's part of my day-to-day -day life. She's, she's still yeah. with me all the time um and I try and do what I can for her um, mm -hmm. my grandson started asking about her a lot which is yeah you know he learned her name about a year ago but now he's like you know where's Amber mm. that's that's quite tricky I tell him that she's dancing yeah. in the stars um but I think he just you just do what you can do to get through it. And I still take every day an hour at a time. I, I don't think mm. there's any quick fix. I think no. it's, it's self-care and it's just being really gentle with yourself and knowing that however you find it best to deal with is 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 the right way for you. Um, yeah, I agree. I think enjoy the times where you are feeling yourself again just for that moment because yeah. you know it's not going to be the same tomorrow or the day after so the moments mm. that you do feel like yourself again or a little bit like mm. that just embrace it because um it's but always going to be quite evident. I think it's okay so I feel I feel like I wear a mask a lot of the time as well that you know mm. you, you get up in the morning and as soon as I leave my house I have to put this mask on and and pretend to mm. be okay and and I've realized now that you know quite often people will say to me oh how are you and and I always used to say, oh, I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine. And now quite often I'll say, well, actually, I'm not great, but I don't really want to yeah. talk about it right now. Yeah. Um, and it's okay. And it's okay to have a breakdown and cry. And yeah, you it's know, good to be truthful about it, isn't it? Just be honest with it. I th I Especially think with so. people who know what you've been through. 
I think so. And, you know, I find that a lot of people get uncomfortable when you, you know, nobody wants to talk about your child that passed away. Um, mm. But I just talk about her anyway. Um, mm. you, you definitely discover who your true friends are. Mm -hmm. um, and, and sometimes they, it's surprising isn't it yeah and sometimes mm. you just I say to people because people say I don't know what to say to you and I my tendency is to just say there's nothing you can say you don't need to say mm. anything just be with me yeah just, just, mm -hmm. just be with me yeah exactly yeah and that's yeah I think that's the right way to say it I mean you said a little bit of how you've done different things since um Amber's past like and you've, you've obviously touched on it how has the experience changed you as a person you're, you're obviously a different person aren't you from it yeah I think I'm still trying to figure out who I am um mm. I quit one of my jobs just because it was it was probably not safe to to be working on a big blur torch when you have PTSD and also it was always a very busy job with a lot of people so I have I've, I've taken a second job just working in a local fuel station and I'm on a post office. So I see people in like small bursts, which I, I find I can cope with. Um, mm. But it's not it's not where I permanently want to be. So I think I'm still trying to figure out who I am now. Um, mm. I, I don't feel like I've grieved for Amber yet. Um, mm -hmm. My psychology is now coming to an end. I have one more session and then I have to have a six month break and then they... They said, if you still feel like you need support, come back to us in six months. So I'm about to switch to bereavement support with the hospice um, mm. to keep some kind of support going. Mm. But I, I honestly don't know who I am. Um, mm. I, My energy levels, I've never been so low. I don't sleep. I still have insomnia. Um, mm. It feels, there's a real sense of unreality, unre unreality at the moment. Um, the world doesn't quite feel real to me. I don't quite feel part of it. Um, mm -hmm. So even when I'm with people, I often feel quite lonely and quite isolated. That's very new for me. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's 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 really difficult to to reconnect with people when they don't understand what you've gone yeah. through. Mm. Um, I think I'm. I value I my own space a lot more. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I I still have the close friends that I have. Some friends have fallen away. Um, mm -hmm. But the friends that I have, each of them gives me something different. Um, yeah. None of them understands everything, but each of them, in a way, kind of yeah. understands a little bit. Um, mm. My daughter, I worry about my daughter Corey because I think that she hasn't really dealt with it it's been you know it's been hard for her seeing her mum go mm -hmm. through this but also losing a little sister but with such a big age gap you know she was mm. 25 when Amber was born so it's it's been tricky for her as well trying to navigate mm. everything um yeah but she's my anchor, definitely. Her and her little boy are my anchors. My my sister said to me, you need to find an anchor. You need to find an anchor to life. Yeah. And, and my daughter and my grandson have definitely become that. Yeah, um, which is great, which is definitely, yeah. you need a way to keep grounded. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I, I, I just take time out when I need it. 
and um yeah my friends all understand that sometimes I just need space by myself I do a lot of self-care I spend a lot of time in the bath mm. I don't think I've ever spent so much time That's in the good. bath but I do know <laughs> <laughs> yeah you definitely didn't have the time when Amber was there oh no. Bath, no I think I got one bath in the 12 weeks that I had Amber and it oh, was on the children's ward and the nurse said to me there's nobody using the children's bath would you like one <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm starting oh. to be able to remember more of the happier times with Amber because that was memory. a big struggle, yeah. And mm -hmm. um, you know, I have her fur to everywhere. We're surrounded by her things. Um, yeah, exactly. They definitely keep you going as well. I think it's a good healing mechanism to have yeah. everything exposed and in front of you. So but, I think yeah. I wouldn't change anything. Mm -hmm. I would do it all again. I would yeah. I don't I don't regret any of my decisions I don't regret continuing the pregnancy I would do it all again because she was worth yeah. it and I mean everybody I think now knows Amber Little Fox um mm -hmm. you know I'm I'm still in touch with her pediatrician regularly I'm still in touch with Martin McCaffrey as well who oh, definitely yeah. yeah it definitely guided a lot of my decisions and choices with mm -hmm. Amber um and and so did other families you know I'm still in touch with especially two girls that I was pregnant with at the same time Jodie and mm -hmm. Becky if they're listening to this you know they've been amazing as well because we all went through it around about the same time um mm -hmm. yeah and that's important I think that's yeah the, the good thing that's come out of it that you you've made new relationships and, and uh -huh. that's what you you take on don't you and soft as well you know if I hadn't have I've contacted you I think I had a zoom call with with Sean and Kate within a week or two of of getting Amber's diagnosis and mm. knowing that there were so many other people out there who were either going through it or had been through it was yeah you, you find mm -hmm. a new little tribe and it's not one that you ever wanted to be part of mm -hmm. but it's a really special group of, of families and parents and that understand what you're going through and it's like the support isn't just there during pregnancy, it's there afterwards as well, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I think you couldn't have said it better myself. So it's a nice way to end the podcast, I think. So yeah. thank you so much, Kate, for, for sharing your beautiful story of Amber. Um, and thanks for everyone for listening. I hope this has helped um, any family that are dealing with baby loss um, at any stage of, of your um, journey. Um, whether you're an expectant parent, bereaved parent, family member or professional, if you need support or information, soft are here for you. We have plenty of resources and um, support on our website. So please reach out and um, our contact details can be found at the um, bottom of the podcast blurb. Thanks again, Kate. And thank you everyone thank for listening. You. Thank you so much.